Balance is not something you find, it's something you create. So said Yana Kingsford. In a fast-moving industry such as steel, with the competing priorities of customers, suppliers, employees and communities, as well as the ever-shifting political, economic and social landscape, long-lasting balance may be seen as an unachievable nirvana. But that's what colleagues in Shotton in North Wales are trying to do, to sustain their business, as we'll find out today. Welcome to Steelcast, Tata Steel UK's podcast about all things related to steel our processes, our products, our customers, our people and our communities. My name is Tim Rutter and in this latest series I'm talking to industry experts about climate change, sustainability and decarbonisation. We've already heard from a number of Tata Steel experts about the fundamentals of climate change, the current challenges around carbon and the demands of society and customers, both for steel and for zero carbon ways of making it. We've heard about the pull from customers for green steel and the collaborations of universities, governments and businesses. And it made a refreshing change to get out of the office and meet the guys from Katnik Matrix at the Grand Designs exhibition and to understand how the sustainability agenda is impacting innovation and consumer choice. And as I mentioned at the start, today we come back a little closer to home to talk to some of the people at our Shotton site in North Wales who have designed and now started to implement a sustainability commitment. So to kick things off, maybe I could bring in the works manager, Bill Duckworth. Bill, I think you have the privilege or maybe some would say curse of being the first person we've had on the pod twice, but uh, a very warm welcome back to you. Thank you. Now, Bill, when people hear the word sustainability as part of your sustainability commitment, they will often think of that as purely an, an, an environmental thing. But I guess for businesses, it's much more than that. It's much broader than that, although your commitment is probably focused on that area. Would that be fair? Well, I think that um, sustainability is sort of like a very trendy word at the moment. It's a bit of a buzzword and, and people use sustainability pretty loosely and it can mean all sorts of different things to different people. You know, you can talk about financial sustainability or environmental sustainability or you know, longevity can be, be be sustainability. So so I think one of the things that we wanted to do with this was to try and be very explicit about what we actually mean. You know, so so we can spell it out for customers, we can spell it out for colleagues who work here, that that you know these are the specific things that we're we're talking about. And the the other thing I suppose is 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 why now um because because a lot of what we have been doing is not something we've just dreamt up recently. You know, we've been doing it for a long time, <clears throat> but we've tried to sort of bring it all together under one umbrella, if you like, under the, the sustainability commitment. And, you know, the number of reasons why it's important to do this at this point. One is, um, you know, obviously all companies like us have a legal obligation to hit climate change targets and um, and and that's that's you know, doesn't differentiate you from any, from anybody else because everybody has to do that. Mm. There's also a sort of moral argument that says it's the right thing to do. You know, and anybody, myself speaking personally, I have children. You know, I I have to think about protecting them and uh, for the future. And it sounds very grand, but actually, I think that's quite an important element to actually what's certainly making the younger generation think. And then finally, there's the sort of pure economic argument that says um, this is what our customers not just want, but actually demand it. And 
so so the more sustainable we are the more attractive we are to our customers the more successful we are and then the more sustainable even more sustainable we can become so it's it becomes a a virtuous circle if you like yeah um so 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 they're all sort of these different aspects and 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 as i say we wanted to try and make it very clear what we meant so we broke it down into originally three and then ultimately four themes so um the most obvious i suppose is yeah, how do we reduce the carbon footprint of the operation at shotton yeah um how can we uh, a lot of the products and services that we develop and produce on, on the site go into sustainable construction so it's how can we maximize the impact of that um how do we protect and expand the diverse biodiversity that exists on the site and this is probably a, a, a one that you wouldn't necessarily expect to find in in a lot of companies mm. sustainability statements is is about biodiversity and then finally it's about material efficiency so so how do we how do we use our resources as efficiently um, as possible and minimize the amount of waste we produce yeah and it is extraordinary how quickly not exactly the tables have turned but how this topic has come into the sort of public consciousness and it is it's almost overriding everything else isn't it you know and i know that you said you know if you want some economic stability then you know customers are demanding you are sustainable from an environmental perspective but as but as you know you also pointed out this is about the people who work for us as well as our customers it's about the communities within which we sit and uh, you know is it is it the biggest factor for your business now bill i think we, you know we, we've been working on this probably for 12 months you know trying to pull it all together and and there was quite a, a strong pressure 12 months ago now it's an irresistible pressure you, you know this is this is not a nice to have this is not something you can choose to do it's not something you can even choose to do slowly you have to do it quickly because that's what the market is 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 demand screaming for really and it is interesting that irresistibility because you would understand a business saying look the government has legislated for it therefore we have to do it or the market is demanding therefore we have to do it but but is the way you explain it it's like we're we're all individually you know as a family as a society and as a business we're all saying this is certainly the not only the right thing to do economically and for the business but it's the right thing to do for our children and for society and, and future generations so it is quite overwhelming isn't it well, it, it can become overwhelming, and I think that's why we've tried to break it down to try and yeah. and and sort of put it into smaller, easily comprehensible chunks, so that so that people can understand what we're trying to do, but also how can they contribute to either one or more of the themes. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to start going into those in a little bit more detail, and we've got lots of other guests uh, on the podcast today to explore those uh, those four themes. Uh, and as we said, the first thing people think about might be the environment, but you know, not just the the environment, but also a business's impact on climate change, and particularly within that, you know, the, to this terminology of you know decarbonization or a company or a product's carbon footprint and we'll come on to that sort of wider picture of our products although we've talked to in previous podcasts that wider picture of our products in use uh, and how they can make a positive impact on the environment 
But in terms of that, going back to that carbon footprint, maybe I could bring in uh, Matt Roberts uh, also on the pod here. Matt, very warm welcome to the uh, podcast. Works engineer at Shotton. Now, Shotton is no longer an integrated steelwork. So, you know, we don't have the the discussion around blast furnaces and steel plants and 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 melting and and so forth, the raw materials. So talk to us a bit, if you could, Matt, about what what is Shotton's carbon footprint? What impacts its carbon footprint and what what can we do about it? Hi, Tim. Um, yeah, so as, as you said, we're not um, we're not an integrated um, steelworks anymore with with blast furnaces and and the and the heavy end, which you normally associate with uh, with the steel industry. Um, but we are um, quite a significant part of the of the UK um, supply chain. Um, so we we bring about 370,000 tonnes of steel from Port Talbot to the Shotton site where we uh, we process it through um, two lines. We have, have three lines on site, one of which is a, a galvanising line where we take um, steel product and then continuously run it through a process where we, we add zinc to galvanise it. Yeah. Um, that in itself is quite an energy intensive process because you have to um, bring cold steel in and, and, and heat it up um to to galvanize it and then cool it down again um and we we apply a, a coating that um that gives us very good um performance of our product which is quite important when when we come and talk about our kind of product characteristics um a bit later on and then we the the kind of value add and the the benefit of the shot and site is we then um put an organic coating on the on the galvanized strip which is effectively um a high-performing and, and differentiated paint system. Yeah. Um, and to apply paint, it, it, it's uh, it's a little bit different from applying it with uh, with a paintbrush or a or a roller. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the the paint itself, um, you have to you have to cure at quite high temperatures to to drive solvent off. Um, and again, that's done in an oven that that burns natural gas. Um, the the solvent that you you drive out of the paint we we capture and abate um, yeah. from an environmental point of view, but the the process of of heating and cooling um, the paint through our processes capturing the um, the the solvent that comes off the paint um, is is what generates the the CO2 at the cotton mm. site or certainly two thirds of it. Yeah, yeah, and to give an idea of the scale, uh, Matt, because you know lots of people listening to the podcast may go well I, I i can imagine the scale of a of an integrated works but you know a couple a couple of rolling lines or coating lines well i'm not sure if that's a, a shed i might see in an industrial estate but you know these things are i don't know quite how long they are the, the coating lines the galb lines but they've got to be quarter of a mile long each haven't they you know these are big big units and uh they they they, they produce as you said a huge volume but use quite a bit of energy too yeah, they're they're not insignificant. Um, as, as you say, gal, galvanizing lines are you know can be up to a quarter of a mile long. The coaxing lines for um, for the paint systems are probably two hundred meters long, um, yeah. and themselves not not small. And, and I'm also missing um, Joe's bit um, in terms of our downstream customers also on the Shotton site, um, who then further process our our products. So yeah, yeah they they are. Um, they are big bits of kit. Certainly, if you if you stand across the River Dee from from Shotton and look across the river, you'll notice just how big the uh, big the buildings are. Yeah, uh, it, it's just um, you know the scale is is slightly different to uh, Port Talbot, for example. 
Yeah, but you so your carbon footprint largely will come from the use of, I guess, energy energy in forms of electricity and some gases. I'm guessing in in some of the the heating processes and also as you mentioned about the 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 offtake of the paint. Um, so so if that's kind of where your carbon comes from or the or the carbon you you've got to reduce, you know, what what opportunities are there to reduce that on the shot and site, Matt? So we've taken a really, really positive first step by um, converting all of our electricity to renewable and green electricity, which um, we did, or we started last month. Yeah. Um, and, and that's reduced our um, CO2 emissions by about 16% um, in one go. So that, that was a really, um, really good first step as part of our commitment. Um, there's it, it's quite it's quite difficult because to, to totally decarbonize the um the operation some of the technology isn't um isn't available yet or some of the infrastructure um isn't available yet such as um if we were to use hydrogen rather than natural gas um we, we do use a small amount of hydrogen in our processes but um certainly we we can't get the supply um it's not available um to, to totally switch over so that's kind of a, a medium to longer term approach so we're also looking at okay so what can we do in the short term mm. um and we we do something that, that we call um restore improve remove so we've got bits of equipment where we can do some um fast low effort activity but gives us quite a good benefit um in terms of um, reducing gas consumption, for example, or electricity consumption. So if you think of, if it was a car, um, you might want to reduce the amount of fuel in your car. The, the, the quickest, easiest thing you can do is pump your tyres up, maybe make sure your air conditioning's working so you don't have to drive around with your windows open. Mm. Um, the the improvement stuff we do, um, we, we, we take targeted investments, um, things like LED lighting, so we still need to light our our buildings and our operation. So we've converted from uh, old kind of halogen lighting to um, very efficient LED lighting. So that's kind of one of the improvements that, that we're making. Then the remove bit is, well, okay, we can make some of these incremental steps, but fundamentally um, there's maybe a decision to, to just swap technology out. So for, again, back to a car analogy, um, you can get an efficient internal combustion engine car, but ultimately we're going to be driving electric vehicles or, uh, or hydrogen powered vehicles. So we're making small incremental improvements. Um, you know, we, we set a, a target of a 20% reduction this year, uh, mm. 16%, and it's a smaller um, kind of restore, improve, remove approach that will um, that will get us the, the rest of the way in this first year. Yeah. And of course, what listeners shouldn't forget, Matt, is that, uh, you know, we're not we're not we're not starting from scratch here. I mean, you know, those of us who've been around the steel industry for for a while will know that we've always done this. And you mentioned there about LED lighting replacing halogen lighting. Well, halogen lighting was probably put in the first place to reduce energy from from its predecessor. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm guessing the site's already kind of come a long way before it's kind of drawn a line in the sand and said we're starting and going again. You know, what's your what's I understand there's potentially some big investments needed to make some big chunks out of this, but what's the long-term vision? Is it possible to make a steel site like Shotton carbon-free or carbon-neutral? Do you think that's feasible? I certainly do, yes. Um, 
but I, I think that's why our sustainability commitment, I think commitment is such a strong and, and powerful word because we haven't got all the answers yet. Mm. I believe it's possible. Um, I couldn't tell you with 100% confidence how we'll achieve it or, or when in terms of total site decarbonisation. Yeah. But, you know, we recognise, as Bill said earlier, that we, we have to do something. Um, so we're, we're committing to, to kind of jumping off and, and starting to... Um, you know, to, to improve our sustainability and, and carbon footprint on the site without knowing the full, you know, the full end point yet. But the yeah. things that we can we can learn as we go along, um, technology will improve as it, as it always does. Mm. Um, and we, we can do that in a way that we're, um, you know, we're moving as fast as we can, even though we, we haven't got all the answers yet. Yeah, yeah, understood. And I thought it was fascinating. Bill mentioned earlier about, you know, making it clear such that everybody on the site and in the business you know, has a clear idea of how they can contribute, because as you said, those small incremental improvements can make a huge difference over time. And as you said, new technology comes in and you've got new people. And, you know, I know recently um, we interviewed one of your software engineers about the sensors on the line. And I guess, you know, again, that's another you know, incremental improvement. They are, they are critical on this journey, aren't they, Matt? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned earlier the the kind of restore, improve, remove philosophy, um, digitalization and, and having sensors that tell us, you know, have we got any deterioration in our improvement? Are we maintaining operating equipment um, at the at the level and the standard that we need to? And then how do we bring the workforce along with that as well? So operators um, of the lines can understand, um, you know, the role they've got to play. Um, and everyone else on site, it, it kind of makes it quite visible. And yeah. I, I think as well, you mentioned earlier that, that this isn't a journey we've just started on. Um, you know, the, the steel industry has, has been making improvements because it is a very energy intensive industry for, for, for decades. I think that the bit that's changed really is, as Bill said, the, uh, the kind of social agenda and the legal agenda around it, but also now the um, the, the cost impact as well, where, um, yes, we, we look to see how we can improve our operations through targeted investments. But now there's also this bit of how do we improve the operation from a sustainability point of view? Um, and that that's quite exciting and challenging at the same time. Um, yeah. It really does change how we're thinking about the, um, the investments and the things we need to do to move the site forward. Yeah, and I think we'll come on to that a bit later in the pod to talk about the role of people. But I guess that's clear enough about you know where you, where you're at in terms of the carbon footprint and the sort of stuff you are already doing, and off to a off to a lightning start. But uh, you know, clearly a, a long journey ahead and one that's not quite defined uh, in the longer term. So, listen, thanks very much for that, Matt. But you know, in the podcast, we're trying to take this wider view of sustainability, and I know your your shot and sustainability commitment is is a wider view and. As we've discussed on previous podcasts, uh, steel is as much part of the solution around climate change and uh, impacting on the environment as it may be part of the problem. You know, when we talk about the, um, you know, sustainable buildings and smart buildings and uh, you mentioned cars, Matt, earlier, uh, you know, building wind turbines and so forth. But products in use and their life cycle and the end of life solutions 
is really, really important to steel and and on the shot and site of the product. So I'm going to bring in here Joe Evans. Joe is um, Managing Director of Building Systems on the shot and site. And I think, Joe, if I'd have got you on before, Bill, I think you would have been the first person to feature on a pod twice. But you were on one of our Women of Steel podcasts uh, in a previous series. So um, so you're the second person to feature twice and a very warm welcome to you. But uh, tell us, Joe, tell us for, for your area, building systems, what is the role of the products and services that is one of the themes that Bill mentioned uh, in in this co sustainability commitment? How can they contribute to that commitment? Yeah, hi, hi, Tim. Um, it constructions uh, certainly does con contribute quite considerably, and and I think if you look at construction as a whole, it needs it needs to transform. It's it's so behind in its its approach and. Uh, certainly the way we build needs to uh, needs to change and if you look at the built environment you know that's the product construction phase operational phase and the end of life it's responsible for around 25 percent of uk carbon emissions which is pretty, wow. pretty significant so um you know at shot we're very much focused on the construction sector you know and you've heard our sustainability commitment is is really quite clear but within within building systems our vision is um you know really to have this enabled construction um to have this real sort of smart, you mentioned about smart, but smart, connected and transparent environment where we have you know, responsible supply chains, we have supply chains that are producing durable and long lasting products. You know, at the end of the day and at the end of their lifetime, we need to be able to reuse them or as a minimum recycle them. Mm. So, you know, they are really, really key part in this. But uh, we shouldn't just look at the products we, we manufacture in shot in isolation. It's really our role as building system is to actually look at the building in its entirety, um, the building in use and, you know, its, its operational efficiency. So, you know, that really starts if you look at our role and it starts with the design and how closely we work with specifiers, you know, ensuring that the right products and the right systems are specified for the intended use of the building, um, you know, ensuring just, I suppose, one item, if thermal values, for instance, you know, not only meets the building regulations, um, but also takes into account how our products, our steel products, interact with other building materials. You know, competing, mm. maybe steel, uh, maybe um, timber, maybe concrete. But you know, really, back that that that's really really the only way you're going to understand how that building is uh, is 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 operating is to put sensors into them. And you touched on sensors on the lines uh, mm. within, but we're looking at how we can monitor. Um, that that building in use um, and there you know we, we start to look at embedding sensors in, in the way we're manufacturing so we, we bed in uh, you know um, either QR codes put QR codes on on the products we're we're manufacturing and then once they've gone to site we've got a way of effectively monitoring that building and how our products are are actually effectively performing um, one thing is is um, you know testing products in isolation but ultimately you've got to You've got to test them in use with the with the other products and the construct, you know, the whole construction build. So, yeah. so that's you know one area that understanding, you know, that we haven't got a wealth of data. Gathering data is really quite critical for the construction industry as a whole, um, and that is just one way of uh, of really, you know, understanding um, how those products are used. And, so and you know, go on, yeah. Terry. No, I was just going to say, you know, that that takes us on to where you know once you've got that final design and when you know what that architect wants for that building um you know we can we can start to look at tracking that journey i suppose of, of that steel through from port talbot through to to, to the shot and site where it is coated and galvanized and coated and then 
it comes into um, to building systems. You know, we, we can track those through through our our lines and um, and look at those uh, look at that building in use and, and more importantly at the end of life what mm. that makes that product is and actually dispose of it recycle it uh, or reuse it more importantly. And it is fascinating, you know, maybe of all the of all the sectors and maybe of all the sites, you know, I always see Shotton as as the one that almost has one foot in the market and one foot in the steel industry. And, you know, yeah. the way you talk about, you know, being part of that, the construction solution rather than saying, well, this is what we make, guys, go and make the best of it and saying, you know, not only do you have to be responsive, we have to be proactive in that market. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier about the counting matrix example, and I know there's things like the seismic project, this this modern methods of construction, this whole concept that steel cannot just be used and is a low energy material and, and long life and therefore value in use that way. Not only can it be recycled because it's 100% recyclable and, can, and, and everything else that goes with it, but now we're talking about reusing not not just steel to make something else, but reusing the panels or the systems you're making uh, is is a real leap forward, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's that's you know really quite key. You know, demountable products. Um, if you take the the platform um, construction, the way the way uh, we're transforming the industry and seismic being one, you know, you have a, a platform of design repeatability. You know this. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that feeds into um, being more effective in the use of materials, for instance. Um, you know, the same the same platform can be used over and over in different builds, be it school, be it a hospital, um, and ultimately you clad it with a different type of product. And yeah. that different product could potentially be taken off and reused um, on another building um, several times. So yeah, absolutely, it's a very different way of of, of building. But I think the industry's ready. There's huge pull from a sustainable productivity and digital perspective which will will uh, will take us into these new areas but we are certainly at the forefront of making these changes but i guess you know we kind of hesitate to say we are there now this thing changes so quickly but you know we're already doing the the, the seismics and the catnic matrix solutions and so forth given that this is a, a, a sustainability commitment we've launched this year you know if i said well looking forward to the next sort of, sort of five years even what is it that your products and services, where, where are they going to move to that will add further to this commitment? I think a, a real key one on products and services is certainly from a from a, a disposal perspective. If you do look at, um, you know, we need products that um, are not going to be going to, to landfill that will be, and um, we look at the components that are used in the makeup of some of our insulated products, you know, changing the formulations of, of foam technologies, for instance, you know, taking out, um, certain components which you know or putting in more environmentally friendly products um, products that can be um, you know we, we take the steel skins off and we can recycle that that foam content be it going into roads being into different um, applications where you know it is reused so I think that is just one key key area we're looking at is, is really the change in the composition of some of the the products we manufacture now and also to give you know, if you look at the thermal efficiencies, you know, buildings have become um, chunkier, I suppose is the way yeah. of putting it. Um, yeah. you know, to get thermal efficiencies, you go thicker. Well, actually, we need better performing um, products that enable us to do thinner construction and, make, and more energy efficient construction. 
Yeah, and maybe apologies to the listeners. So, you know, we get, within the industry, you fall into this terminology, and we all know what each other's talking about. The listeners, when when I talk about building products, you know, the majority of the stuff you make, to be clear, Joe, maybe you can explain it better than I. Is a is like a sandwich, and it's got two two uh, layers of steel with an insulation layer in between. That is that a good description? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's a it's a it's an insulated panel product. Um, you know, with steel and uh, and, and a formulation yeah. of, of foam, yeah. be it, but other other systems as well, ultimately. But um, yeah. And it'll be fascinating to see where it goes. But and thanks very much, Joe. I also want to bring in Lindsay. Lindsay Andrews is a business development manager in Shotton as well as you've been, I know, involved in lots of different aspects of this commitment, not just uh, products and services. But that, uh, Joe talked there, Lindsay, about you know, the role of you know, modular construction and insulations and reuse and recycling. But there's another aspect. If we go look at the, your colour coat product, which is, as Matt described earlier, this you know paint system on a, on a galvanised coat on a galvanized um, steel. There are opportunities around that as well, aren't there, Lindsay, in terms of developing that technology, the types of paint and so forth. Could you talk us a bit around that? Yeah, absolutely. And if we go back to, to the basics of what we stand for from a colour coat perspective, it's always been about really trying to understand how we can deliver value to the building owner. So again, what we would always try and describe is that the most sustainable products are the most durable products. And that's really the, the strategy that we've built, the, the products that we make today in shot and on that principle. And what that actually means is for the building owner from a value perspective is that it reduces the um, the costs during the life of that building, but also it then reduces the in-use carbon on that building as well. Because if the building owner is thinking about a more durable solution, then again, in-use carbon, in-use maintenance and repairs and replacement are reduced in the life of that building. So that's what we've been doing over the years. And again, looking at other solutions that we can deliver value to the, the building owner. So examples of that would be things like high reflective liner. So a high reflective special paint, which again, reduces lighting requirements for a building. And again, that's really functionalizing the, the building envelope a little bit more so that the building owner, again, reduces the um, operational carbon of the building. So what that means is that things like heating, lighting, cooling the building is reduced over the, the lifetime of that building. So that delivers real benefits in terms of cost, but also sustainability benefits then because you're reducing that operational carbon in the building. Yeah. But where we come on to the products of tomorrow, this is where they get really exciting because then we're really looking at how can we try and deliver intelligent building solutions? How can we try and give some other functional benefits so examples would be things like how can we investigate different pigments that we can use within the paints to have um, game changing solar reflectant benefits. What that means is, wow. again, if you've got um, dark colours yep. that you're able to adapt and develop to operate like lighter colours, then you're going to be spending less as a building owner on cooling that building. So that's where you're able to use the building envelope a lot more intelligently to reduce that that carbon intensity, but also the cost to the building owner in the long run as well. Yeah, so, so, that, so for, the, for the listeners, just to be clear, because I'm sure lots of them aren't scientists, but the, the concept you're explaining there is if you've got a dark building that absorbs the heat from the sun and makes the inside hot and therefore you might need air conditioning, whereas a light surface traditionally would reflect the heat and keep it cool and what you're saying is you could still have a, a, a dark finish that reflects the heat is that is absolutely that fair? 
a really good analogy would be, for instance, if you've got a dark car, if you put a, a black car in the desert with a white car, the, the black car is going to get a lot hotter and you're not likely going to be able to put your hand on it. So it's it's exactly yeah. the same then that you want the, the building, a dark building to operate the same as a, a light yeah. car or a white car. So that, wow. again, it's reflecting that that heat intensity. Oh, that's quite building. impressive. Is that is that sort of nanotechnology stuff or is it just the uh, cle clever paints? And... Not quite nanotechnology, but yeah, it's, it's certainly using clever pigments and, and clever technology in the developments of the paints wow. but that that's just one example i mean there's lots of other things because what we're trying to do now is improve the the transparency of the the you know the parts that go into the the painted steel products that we give to the building owner again we're looking at even more certification building on joe's point it's all about understanding you know that traceability of what you're getting and, and the certification in place to make sure it's the right product for for the right building but where we start to get into some of the other exciting things building on matt's point about reducing the carbon footprint it's really looking at the way that we're producing the pre-finished steel products of to Today. So, for instance, at the moment, you know, we use solvents within the paints. Is yep. there some solvent-free alternatives that we don't rely on so much gas to produce those? Um, mm. And that's what we're really starting to, to look at now. Again, that's a long-term development, but that's something that, that will be game-changing for us in, in Shotham. It is really exciting and the mind boggles at... Uh you know, how technologists and scientists come up with stuff and how fast things change. But uh, listen, thanks for that. But both of you, Joe and Lindsay, for that overview of the products and services theme and and kind of what it means in, in simple language to people. And uh, I do want to move on because I'm conscious, you know, we've got a lot to, still to get through. And I'm, you know, I know we've kind of talked about the site's assets and its carbon footprint and the energy we use, the materials we use. Um, we looked about how products can support the supply chain, especially in the construction sector for the, for the shot and type or particularly how we can make that whole supply chain become sustainable. But again, getting back to this idea of balance that we started off with, and Bill explained those four themes eloquently at the beginning. The third theme I was going to touch on is this biodiversity that, that Bill mentioned. And um, for those who haven't been to the shot and site, I often, yeah, I often try to describe it as people as a steelworks in a garden, which was one of our former former leaders' terminology. It's a beautiful site, um, and 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 to talk a bit about why diversity is important for the shot and sustainability commitment and what's being done there, um, we're delighted to have on the on the uh, pod today the environment manager from Shot and Dawn Harris. Dawn, it's more than just about greening the site and putting a load of grass down, isn't it? Talk to us. Yes, it definitely is. Um, it's more around making sure that we've got habitats that can support a, a wide range, really, of fauna and flora. And as you say, we're very lucky here at Shotton, and it is a very beautiful site. And, and I often get accused of turning it into a nature reserve, but that's <laughs> essentially what we'd like to do. You know, um, if, you, if you were to drive around today, we've, we're doing uh, known mow may at the moment, and you'd see a wealth of buttercups and daisies. But that's just a, a small thing that lots of sites can um, engage with, and even the, sort of the general public. Mm. Um, but biodiversity is not a, a new thing at Shotton, really. I've lost Dawn, or is it me? No, we've all... no, I'm still here. Oh. The lagoons that we've got Dawn. here. We, we lost you, Dawn, me for a minute. Sorry. Oh no. Uh, yeah, so I got the I got the beautiful <laughs> site and the buttercups and daisies and the and the no mo may. <laughs> and after that. Oh, sorry. 
That's all right. It just must no, be the I've signal. I've got four bars. Yeah. Uh, not to worry. Uh, are you okay, okay to so go again? Or, where or would you like me to start from? Um, so, because I said it's not about site greening and you talked about uh, it's a beautiful site and we've got no mo made, lots of buttercups and daisies. And then I lost you after that. So, okay. so I think it was, it was about saying it's more than site greening. So, Right. So, okay. Yeah. You're quite right. It's it is more than a site greening. Um, it's more about moving, making sure that we've got the habitats that can support a wide range of flora and fauna. Mm. And as you say, um, the site is beautiful. And I often get accused of uh, trying to turn it into a nature reserve, but that is actually what we want to do. You know, we can do small things like no mow may. It's where if you came today, you'd be able to see buttercups and daisies along the verges. And that's something, you know, something little that we can do. We've already got those um, flowers here. Um, mm -hmm. People who can, you know, you could do that anywhere on any site and even the general public. Um, but, you know, it's not new to Shotton, really. We've got a very long history of uh, looking after our biodiversity. Um, back in 1999, we actually had an area of the site that was designated as a triple SI. So that's a site of special scientific interest. And the reason that site is special is because we've got some very nice reeds, but we've also got a colony of common terns. Mm. And over the last, well, I suppose we started working with our partners, Merseyside Ringing Group, about 50 years ago for this colony of common terns. And it's now actually the largest colony in Wales. Wow. So it's of significant interest. Uh, from an environmental point of view. Um, so, you know, it, it's not new to us. And over the years, we've done a number of ecology surveys. and We have a wealth of um, animals and creatures and uh, plants on the site. But what we're doing now with this uh, sustainability commitment is we're trying to bring that all together. So we want to fully understand everything we've got here. And we've actually commissioned um, the North Wales Wildlife Trust to help us with this mm. so that we can do um, an ecology survey and find out exactly what we've got on site. And then it's about developing a plan then to, to look after and highlight what we've already got. And that's sort of things like the known known MOME and looking after the triple SI, but also to enhance and improve the range. So we've recently planted some wildflowers um, as, as a test spot to see how well they do. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the advantage of working with the um, Wildlife Trust is that they actually are an independent body and they have a biodiversity benchmark standard that we can work to. Wow. And, and what that will give us is an ongoing forward action plan for continual improvement that isn't just what Tata says that we've done at Shotton, it's what somebody independent, you know, who obviously they know what they're talking about, you know, they can tell tell other people that what we're doing is the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah, and there was one thing I was going to say, because I think people would say, I understand why, you know, an industrial site might want to have areas of greening and grass and, and um, you know, carbon and trees, emitting oxygen and stuff but the diversity thing people might say well why does it matter whether you've got one type of grass or 20 types of grass or whether you've got you know snakes and voles and frogs and terns or whether you've just got some sparrows but but what you're saying is you know the professionals who know about this stuff are saying diversity in itself is important it, it is yeah it's it's really important because 
you have to look at a more global view for this sort of thing, don't you? And as Bill said, you know, we've got future generations coming. And at the moment, we've we've been on this site for 125 years, but really we're only the custodians of the land. And it's important that we as humans leave a good positive legacy for the future generations to come. So it's not just about Tata Steel, it's, it's about the whole planet and and how we go forwards as a as a human race. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating what you're doing there, and, and clearly some direction forward with professionals involved, and uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And I know, for example, you have local schools coming in, and you know, you play, play that part in the community, and saying, you know, this is a, an interesting place to come, not just because it's a steelworks, because it's it's got some biodiversity here as well. So there's clearly something to be said for it as a as a future type of business. Yeah, I think it's important for children to realise that industry can work together with nature and can work hand in hand. And all of the things that Matt and Joe and Lindsay and Bill have already spoken about, all of that is for us to be able to work hand in hand and make the best use of the resources that this planet has to give us. Yeah, and I guess the interesting thing, and I don't, I don't, I'm not sure whether you'll be able to answer this, is that... Bill talked earlier about the demand from the market for sustainable steel and so forth. And you can imagine them saying, well, I need your products to be you know, kite marked. I want them to be sustainable. I want you to prove they're low energy and I want them to, you know, because it's important for us and our customers and society. But I wonder what the pull is from customers to say. And as part of that, it, you need to have some form of biodiversity on the site in which you make it. I don't, I don't, does that fit into the market? A pull, do you think, or is it just a sort of a responsible thing for a company, an ethical company like Tata, to do? I think it does pull in. Um, I think certainly it's on the architect's radar mm. to be to be doing it. If you think um, over the last, even just the last ten years, people have become much, much more aware and you know about environmental issues, and you have COP26 and that sort of thing that's highlighting the issues with climate change. Mm. So I think there is definitely a pull, you know, with a marketing hat on as yeah. well, that people are actually realising now how important all of this sustainability and commitment is for the, the benefit of for the benefit of everybody yeah yeah and it's interesting and, and thanks very much for taking us through that dawn and I, i've got a funny feeling we're going to be uh, featuring lots of stories from the shot and sites in terms of biodiversity inter internally and on social media because it is a uh, it's certainly leading the way i think so but thanks very much for that again conscious of time and i wanted to pick up on the fourth theme now and i'm not sure we've done these in any particular order but bill if i could bring you back in because the fourth theme is material efficiency which sounds very biz bit business jargon but i guess what you're saying is that you know we could set up and run our assets to minimize our energy usage as matt described earlier we develop products that perform you know use less material or less energy or less solvents or less carbon impact they perform better in society they last longer they have the benefits that joe and lindsay uh, described earlier we can make our physical presence a positive part of nature but there is this bit in the middle of it which is about what do we do which the, the material comes in from Patolbert, someone described earlier and it goes out to a customer but there's a, there's some stuff in the middle there isn't there bill about what what you do with it on the shot and site uh, that actually can have quite a big impact on our environmental profile was that is that fair bill yeah so so material efficiency is is um I, I suppose a, a nice way of saying 
waste reduction. You, you know, what you're trying to do is is all the resources that you use from bringing, converting your uncoated steel in from Port Talbot to a finished product from the end of the shot and lines, all those resources, how can you use them as effectively as possible? Mm. Um, and and inevitably there there will always be some waste. Um, and then it's what do you do with that waste? And uh, just to give you a, a, a couple of examples, just to try and sort of bring it to life a bit. Um, when we when we sell material, we obviously have to pack it in a way that protects it um, on the journey from our factory to, to a customer. We would use quite a lot of plastic in terms of edge protection and um, uh, and and then wood often often the, the the material sits on a on a pallet of wood. Um, so, you know, their their resources obviously there's a cost to that. It does a it performs a purpose in terms of protecting the coil. What we're trying to do is that when we deliver a coil to a customer, um, some material to a customer, we bring back on the the lorry the packaging that they've taken off from previous deliveries and we reuse it. It's it's a very simple concept but it's one we've been doing for a long time and and that's why about 90 percent of the materials that we use as part of our process are either reused or recycled yeah uh, and and now we're looking for that final 10 percent and and to use the packaging example that final 10 percent would include things like rather than having um plastic paper that wraps around the outside of the the material that we would use um, biodegradable yeah. paper, for instance. So it's about just going that, uh, and obviously once you get to the final 10%, it gets quite difficult because you've done all the easy stuff. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. And, and a second a second example would be um, scrap steel. So so during the process of, of, of converting um, a coil from uncoated into coated steel, we have to cut scrap off. It's, it's just part of the process. And we always think of that as it's it's a good economic thing to do, a good business reason for reducing the amount of scrap. But actually, now we're starting to think it's not just good business sense. It's actually if we can make more product, good product out of the steel that we get in from Port Talbot, then we're consuming less carbon in making that steel in the first place. So so you get this sort of multi-dimensional element to to the to the way you think about using your resources it's not just about cost which is probably the way we've looked at it in the past there is this sustainable element to it that that just adds um a, an incentive for people and and it comes back to we want everybody to understand what role they can play and if and if they think that they can play a small part mm. whether it saves the company money or it helps reduce the overall um, environmental damage that um, uh, of our process, then that's a good thing. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great segue, Bill, uh, into, as we start wrapping up the podcast today, that you've only just launched this this formally, the sustainability commitment, uh, only in April, we're only in May now. So how's it starting to land with your employees and, uh, and your customers? Well, I, I think, as, as we said at the beginning, customers have been, crying out for this for a long time so so anything that that is um a credible plan <clears throat> is going to be be good i mean i think they they just want us to go quicker um 
as, as far as um, people working on the site, I, I guess they fall into two groups and it, it probably depends on what generation they come from. You know, the, the younger generation look at it from this sort of big, good thing to do, because in the end, they're the ones who are going to have to live in a planet yep. that faces the climate crisis. The older ones, probably less, um, have, have, have not been brought up with this idea of the effect of, of um, climate change and and so they but but they think of it more in terms of well if that means the business is more successful then you know that can't be a bad thing as well so so maybe different reasons for different groups but um, I think people quite like it I think it makes us more attractive as an employer I think I I, I feel and I think the whole team feel proud to be able to say we work for a company that actually cares about this. Yeah, yeah, and 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 fair play to you for for doing that and pulling it all together in this in this way. And they're very clear package with four themes. But you know, and and I know we're talking to you because because you've announced this in Shotton. But you know, Bill, you you will have a peer group of other works managers around the UK. And I'm I'm guessing whilst you have this initiative. Uh, from shot and I guess a lot of those activities are, are are either already being mirrored or other people are looking to copy what you're doing in other parts of the site do you see lots of that going on I, I think lots of you know all sites will have looked at material efficiency and energy efficiency and and just purely from a cost point of view so so we're, we're, we're by no means unique it's basic business sense to to to, to try and concentrate on these things I think that, that what we've what we've done maybe differently is that we've wrapped it all together and we've tried to be very, very explicit and we've made quite a, a lot of trying to promote it internally and externally and, and sort of package it up into a in, into something that, that people easily understand. Yeah, well, hopefully this podcast has added a little bit to that story, um, Bill, and, uh, you know, brilliantly explained by everyone and, and great to have a, a range of people uh, talking about it, those people who are closest to the story, explaining the different aspects of it. And I'm sure, you know, given a bit of time, you know, hopefully we'll go to anyone in Shotton and they'll be able to tell a similar story. And hopefully this podcast will reach your employees, will reach some of your customers and people in the community, some of the political stakeholders, and it will demonstrate quite simply but clearly uh, the commitment that you guys are making to that site. So. Listen, we're going to have to wrap it up. We've been uh, talking for quite a while now and thoroughly enjoyed it and, and learned a lot today as well. So, you know, thank you to Bill, Matt, Lindsay, Joe, Dawn, not only for joining me today on the on Steelcast pod, uh, but for all the work you're doing to improve the business and, and lead people to a, to a better place, you know, to improve the offerings for our customers, to improve the role of steel in building a brighter, greener future uh, for us all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Steelcast. Please let us know what you think about the topics we're discussing or any other aspects of decarbonisation and sustainability you'd be interested in hearing about. If you want to keep up to date with the latest happenings in Tata Steel UK and in this series, our journey towards decarbonisation, why not subscribe to Podbean, Spotify, Apple, Google or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.